Minnesota boxing fans, welcome to the launch of the Minnesota Fight Night podcast. My name is Brian Johnson, and I'm the co-host of the podcast, along with Sean Strauss. So this is the um, this is our first ever Minnesota Fight Night podcast, and I think what we're looking at we're two big boxing fans, really big fans who are. Um, dedicated to the Minnesota boxing scene and part of what we're planning to do here is to um, bring some attention to um, the fighters and all, all the good things going on here on the Minnesota boxing scene and also to mix in some some of the national talk about the national fights and hopefully get some interviews with uh, some of the big name fighters on the national scene as well but uh, it's the name of the podcast in five Minnesota Fight Night podcast. We're really uh, kind of honing in on the Minnesota scene, and uh, really Minnesota has become a hotbed for for boxing and and with, with the Armory and and uh, fighters like Jamal James and Caleb Truax and Rob Stan. Um, it's it, it really exciting time for Minnesota boxing. So um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna try to. Um, bring all the latest news about Minnesota boxing to, to our listeners and um, hopefully um, give it the, the spotlight and attention it deserves. And uh, Sean, I was wondering if you wanted to add anything to that. Oh, you did a great job, Brian. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of stuff on Facebook for those of you who know me, um, mainly about Minnesota boxing, uh, especially the history of Minnesota boxing. But like Brian just implied, the future is bright. And uh, that's what this is going to be primarily focused on is, you know, what's going on right now? Where can you go see the fights? Who's fighting? Um, we're going to try and get some interviews with the fighters and people in the fight game so that, you know, people know um, all that Minnesota has to offer. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know, Sean, you do a great job with uh, the stuff you put on social media. And I'm very impressed with your, with your knowledge the sport, uh, both what's happening today as well as your sense of history, the great history of this sport. And so I'm looking forward to talking to you about that in the in the weeks and months to come as, as we uh, embark on this journey. And um, can you talk a little bit maybe about how you became such a big boxing fan? Sure. Um, for me, it's a family affair, like I think it is with most people. Um, boxing community is very tight you know you once you get in there it's uh it's it's funny you know you um you think you're alone for so long and once you start meeting you know the people that like boxing um then you just realize the fingers stretch everywhere and there's a lot of people out there and for me everything that started was with my dad um my dad boxed in the navy uh during vietnam in uh japan and um yeah, I won't go too much into that, but basically growing up, you know, him watching the fights, taking me over to my uncle's houses, watching the pay-per-views, you know, of Tyson and Holyfield and that, that era, the era of the American heavyweight, um, hard not to get into boxing and to love it, you know, so that was the, the beginning. And as an adult, you know, I got to enjoy watching fights with my dad, you know, um, mainly I think it was the Pacquiao Marquez first fight. Um, and then the Joe Calzaghe, Jeff Lacey fight were the kind of the two that stand out as the fights that really got me hooked back in watching boxing as an adult. 
um, you know, with the Minnesota fight connection, it was guys like Jason Litzow. I love watching him on ESPN. Never want to miss one of his fights. Um, you know, there's there's many more. But for my generation, I mean, Jason Litzow is about as good as it gets. You know, super exciting. Absolutely. He had some great fights there on ESPN. And um, definitely, uh, I, I was a fan of his as well. And and, and st still am a fan. And just, yeah, for me, it was going back, um, you know, a long ways. I'm, I'm uh, dating myself here, but I actually remember watching, uh, like you, watching boxing with my dad on television. And I remember going back in the 70s, watching Muhammad Ali fight on top television against the likes of uh, Alfredo Evangelista and, um, you know, some of the, you know, Ernie Shavers and the, the two fights with Leon Spinks and, and, and that sort of thing and just uh just loved it um you know my dad was a big boxing fan and and uh I've, I've been addicted to the sport ever since there was a time I got away from it maybe a little bit um in 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 the 90s and then you know got more into some of the team sports football and baseball and things like that but I, I always paid attention to the big heavyweight fights of course um, but then, you know, actually when the contender came along in 2005 and yeah. local guy, Tony Bonsante was on that show and I loved that and I got hooked on that series. And then that just, that brought me back full scale, um, to being, uh, really into the sport. And, uh, I remember going to some really great live shows here in, in, in the Twin Cities, saw Scott Ledoux fight Larry Holm in, in, uh, at the Met Center in Bloomington back in 1980, I believe it was, and a um, number of different shows. And more recently at the Armory, I've been helping out, out with uh, doing some publicity for, for those fights, uh, writing press releases and interviewing some of the fighters after the matches and, and those uh, getting quotes that would be used in, um, in, in articles. That's cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's, it, it's, that was a, just a blast doing that. So. Um, yeah, just, so that's, that's kind of my story and, um, you know, I just love it. I love it. So what, what do you think, obviously now that the, the big fight on people's minds here now in Minnesota, Jamal James finally getting his shot at a, at a world title, WBA interim title, um, against Thomas Delorme. Um, what do you think of that fight, Sean? What, how would you assess that, uh, it's, it's, chances. I think he's got a really good chance. Um, Delorme is not a, a joke, you know, by any sense of the, you know, of the means or whatever. Um, I, uh, I really like Jamal um, in the ring and outside of the ring. You know, I've only met him once briefly in person last uh, region two. So that was 2019. Um, but such a nice guy. And every time I see him interviewed, he just seems like he's very calm. He's got a good head on his shoulders, and I think he fights that way too, which is really important um, when you're against someone like Delorme, who I think is going to be aggressive from the beginning. Um, he was that way even against a guy like Crawford. You know, I was watching that fight this morning, uh, Delorme Crawford. Um, but yeah, I, I was kind of doing a little bit of the uh, the breakdown of height, reach, all that kind of stuff, and you know, uh, some of that might matter, but. I do like what Jamal had to say 
um, in some of his interviews recently. One was with you and uh, your buddy Paul, which uh, I'm sure you'll talk about, but he made a comment that when you get to that elite level, you know, when you're in the top 10, um, there's no pushovers, basically. They're all good. And so you got to bring your A game in, you know, every single fight. Um, but for the sake of argument, you know, a couple things that I did notice as far as uh, their previous fights, um, I think Jamal really had the tougher last fight. Um, on paper, it might not look that way to someone who's not really versed in boxing. Um, but he fought Antonio DeMarco, former champ. Um, yeah, he was coming off of a loss, but at the same time, uh, he's a southpaw, and like I said, he's a former world champ. So I think everything about that fight was going to be tougher for, um, for Jamal. And then meanwhile, Delorme, he fought a guy who on paper looks really good. He was like 17-0. and 0. Um, But you look at the resume, and there wasn't the guys there, you know. So I think he kind of had, in a way, a little bit of an easier comeback fight, you know, to get him back into things. Um, but, yeah, you know, that's neither here nor there, you yeah. know. I mean, it's just something to point out, I guess. Um, both of them have high KO percentages. Jamal, according to BoxRex, like 44%. And uh, Delorme is listed at like 55%. But watching their fights, they can both bang. They can both knock a guy out if they have to. Jamal is taller. Delar Delorme's arms are longer. <laughs> so it's like, I'm just expecting an action fight. Um, you know, it, it's going to be good. Yeah. I agree. I agree with everything you said, and I, I think it will be a good fight. Um, and I did watch the uh, fight, uh, Delorme's fight with Crawford again just last night. And, uh, you know, a couple of things that stood out to me, actually, Delorme was leading the fight after the first five rounds on Harold Letterman's scorecard, three rounds of two. And I think that was uh, primarily due to just his work rate. Um, he really started fast which I guess he tends to do and was uh, I think just maybe outworking Crawford a little bit in those first few rounds. But, you know, then again, Crawford, he's such a good fighter and he's so smart in the ring. I think he just was sort of biding his time and, and you still kind of had the sense that he was, he was in control. Um, but, you know, just, uh, you know, and no shame in getting knocked out by Terrence Crawford, obviously. Um, but no, not at all. Not at all. And and that was the, one factor, though. That was the second time that Delorme has been knocked out. And James has never been knocked out, at least as a pro. And, you know, and I think that can be a factor. And Teddy Atlas has pointed that out, that sometimes when you've been knocked out and you've had that experience, you can, you know, it can it can affect your mind. And, and you know, sure. not to say that a fighter can't come back from a knockout and, and still have a great career, but um, I think that gives a little bit of a psychological edge to, to Jamal. And, and Jamal is a natural welterweight his whole career. And I, I, I did um, observe that Delorme's fight with, with, uh, with Crawford was at uh, 140 pounds. Yeah, I saw that too, coming in at 139. And then yeah. when they said Crawford put on like 15, 16 pounds, he came in at like 155, which is smart for him. He's got a big frame. So he, he knows he's going up against the naturally bigger guy with Delorme who's coming down in weight to fight him. So he wasn't messing around. He put on the extra weight after the, you know, the weigh-in to make sure that he was good. I thought it was interesting that Delorme didn't get on the scale on the day of the fight on the unofficial scale to weigh in. Um, yeah. 
but it's curious. Yeah. You wonder how big he was um, and how much that weight drop, you know, really maybe affected him. Cause I know if a guy normally fights a welterweight, I mean, seven pounds uh, you know, or eight pounds that he came in at 139. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot of weight. So it is. Yeah. So, well, it, it'll be a great fight. I think I am picking James to win. And, um, you know, I think he's just, he, he, I think he's the more well-rounded fighter too. He can box. He's good defensively. He can punch when he needs to. He's just, his, his, body punches have been devastating in recent fights and just uh, that's something that um, I, I think he could use that to his advantage against Delorme. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then there's a whole factor of fighting in, in, in an empty arena. Um, yes, yes. So, and, and as you'll hear later in, in um, um, my interview with Jamal, I, I had the privilege to interview him on Friday along with Paul Langfellow and um, he did he did talk about that a little bit um, so uh, you know I'll, I'll let him speak for himself there but it was uh, it, I'm sure it'll be a big change from when he's been at the armory in his most recent fights and he's got all those fans out there cheering for him and all of a sudden he'll be in an empty arena it'll be interesting uh, how that plays out. Yeah, um, well, I just want to say a special thanks to Paul who did the interview with you. Um, he's going to allow us to use some of that audio so the fans can hear what Jamal had to say so we don't have yeah. to re-interview him again. I'm sure yeah. Jamal is such a nice guy, you know, doing all these interviews. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, this way we don't have to interview him twice. Um, he alludes to the fact that he can hear the, you know, or he assumes he'll be able to hear the, the corner better. And... Um, I think with someone like Jamal, who's been with his corner and his team for as you know long as he has, it's going to be good for him to be able to hear them um, a lot more clearly. Um, for that Crawford fight, they kind of alluded to the, that he was with a new team, and I'm not sure. You know, that's an unknown right now. I don't know if Delorme is still with those particular cornermen, or if he's gone back to who he was with or not. So I don't know if that's going to be an advantage for Jamal or not. But regardless, you know, having guys in your corner your whole life has got to be an advantage, you know, and then being able to hear them even clear um, in an empty arena, you think that'll be good for Jim? Yeah, good point. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think so. Um, well, and then other Minnesota fighters can be on the card. David Morrell is going for a WBA super middleweight interim title against Lennox Allen. That'll be an interesting matchup as well. Um, Morrell, in only his third pro fight, but he had a Stellar amateur career. I've read where I believe won 133 out of 135 amateur fights, something like that. Native of Cuba, and we all know that just great fighters have come out of Cuba. Um, so, you know, but Morales adopted Minneapolis as, as his uh, home now, and he's fighting out of Minneapolis, and so um, could be the next big star here on the local scene. Yeah, I hadn't heard his name before until your guys' interview uh, with you and Paul, and uh, I'm excited to see him. You know, I know Jamal, um, just the, the interaction that's on that uh, the interview, I don't know if it's going to be on the clip that you play or not, but it makes it sound like he's a, a really good kid, <laughs> that Jamal gets along with him and that uh, he's fitting right in in their camp. So. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're a pretty tight bunch there, and, um, um, you know, they've been training uh, – as you'll hear, they've been training up in Barnum, Minnesota, 
just a, that's even before the pandemic hit, they kind of established that as a, a training camp. Um, and, and that's kind of a, a good idea, I think, to get out, get away where you can just focus on boxing and, um, you know, sort of like Delahoy is, what is it, Big Bear? And, you know, you've, yeah. You've your, your, your little getaway there. And so, um, yeah, I was wondering how that was going to work. Jamal's been doing so much good work, you know, for the city of Minneapolis um, with all that stuff going on. Um, I wasn't sure if that was going to be sort of like a Pacquiao situation where he's got so much going on. Is that going to affect his preparation, you know, for the yeah. fight? But then when I heard that they actually had the ability to get out of town and sort of, you know, get all the distractions away, that's that's good. Yeah, good call. Good call there. Um, so what else? What else do you want to talk about? Um, the Tyson fight. That's oh, not everything. Yeah, you can't have a boxing podcast right now and not talk about that. So yeah, um, I I've officially come out in support of Roy Jones Jr. for this fight. Um, I think you were uh, also kind of a leaning that way yourself, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Um, my feeling on that is just Roy's been more active um, in fighting. Now they always say uh, the power is the last thing to go. Um, with a fighter so you think that if Mike's going to get him he's going to get him early and um, you know we were talking about this before that uh, you know Mike's such a fan of Dempsey and Dempsey was always the the earlier the better you know he wants him out of there fast so I don't think that'll have changed at all with Tyson I think he's going to try and get him out of there I was really surprised to hear that it's going to be eight rounds because for Mike that could be a long eight rounds (laughs) if uh if Roy decides to, you know, box and if he gets out of those early rounds and if he, you know, starts taking it to Tyson, it could be bad for Tyson, I think. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, you know, I think we're both in the minority here, sort of uh, leaning a little bit towards Jones and, and we'll see, you know, maybe we'll both really end up looking foolish on this thing. You could always eat krill, you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I, I do think, uh, as you said, Jones has been, active up until a couple of years ago and um my my concern about him i guess is he has been knocked out quite a bit in in, in past uh, years and um so we'll see what happens uh if and when tyson really connects but um you know 15 years out of the ring that's a long time that's a long time and at age 54 Tyson has his work cut out for him. And don't forget, his last fight was a knockout loss to unheralded Kevin McBride. So, um, you know, and I understand Tyson's in great shape, and um, we'll see what happens. But, uh, I, you know, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against Jones um, putting on a good show here. I, I think it'll be, it, it'll be an interesting an interesting fight. I'm curious what the uh, what the undercard is going to be because I know the 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 talk right now is about the pay per view and <laughs> the fact that it's going to be expensive and people are kind of griping about that and then you've got some people on the other side who say I don't care how much it is it's Tyson man <laughs> they're like I'm gonna I'm gonna get it. Um, right. I think if they get some good undercard fights, it'll be you know even more worth the pay-per-view but right now with boxing being in a drought with all this pandemic and stuff um 
any boxing is good boxing. I just hope that both of these guys stay healthy and that they don't get hurt. You know, yeah. that's the biggest thing, you know, and especially since they're doing it for charity, um, you don't want to see anyone get hurt ever. But when they're coming out to do this for charity, the last thing you want is one of these guys to get, you know, permanently injured. So. Yeah, 100% absolutely agree with that. And I understand they're using the bigger gloves. So, you know, maybe that's, maybe that bodes well for, for Jones. We'll see. But uh, yeah, hopefully both of them stay safe and put on a good show. And um, you mentioned pay-per-view, another pay-per-view coming up. And I know you have some thoughts on this, uh, Danny Garcia and Errol Spence. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the big question mark there is just Spence after the car accident. Um, I just read some interesting facts about that. You know, I didn't even realize that he had broken his jaw and he apparently hasn't sparred. Um, now, I don't know if that's reliable or not. You know, it's the internet. So who knows? Um, must be true, right? It was on the internet. No, um, I like Spence. If like, if this was, you know, both of them being active and there was no car accident, I'd be no hands doubt, you know, no, no doubt in my mind, I'd be going with Spence. But because of everything that's been going on, I think Garcia's got a pretty good shot. Um, he's no slouch, you know. He doesn't get knocked out. Um, he's a tough kid. So I don't really like Garcia outside the ring. Thinks he's Scarface. But, uh, but you know. His dad. his dad is a character. Yeah. Well, they both think they're, you know, Al Pacino. Yeah. But, <laughs> But, you know, that's whatever. They're, they have fun with it, you know. So, but, yeah, in, in the ring, he's a good fighter. You know, he's fun to watch. There's a lot of guys like that who are outside the ring I might not care for. But once they get in the ring, it's fun to watch. And, you know, so this is going to be one where I definitely won't want to miss it. I think both those guys are great. Um, I'm also curious about the undercard, you know. I, anytime it's pay-per-view, I'm always curious. Like, okay, like, you got to have the, at least two of those, you know, two main kind of undercard fights got to be pretty pretty good um yeah so i got a little worried because i think with the tyson one i heard that i think that jake paul is going to be fighting on the undercard <laughs> and i'm like okay so they really are making it like the celebrity thing um yeah. but i heard that uh tyson might actually be starting some sort of celebrity boxing league even um wow like legends or something like that if i remember right and i think if it's all the charity thing, you know, uh, again, if it's all these celebrities coming out and boxing for charity, that might be pretty cool. Your point was about some of the older fighters, Tiger Chavez Sr. And, and uh, Yeah, I was just saying, yeah, if uh, people are talking about the age of Tyson and Roy Jones, they're really going to be talking about age if Chavez Sr. comes out and fights. Um, yeah, may maybe even on the local level, we'll see Tony Bonsante again. Who knows? <laughs> Talk about that I love Tony. He was uh, great. When you were talking about him being on the contender, my family, we really loved him. And we watched uh, when he fought Duddy. That was a special event in our yeah. house, you know. Talk about, about pay-per-view. It was a cheaper pay-per-view, at least, you know, right, uh, for right. St. Paddy's Day. And, uh, you know, he's a great guy. All right. Oh, he is. I, I've met Tony a couple of times. He is a great guy. And um... I only know him through this, the social media, but uh, everything I see, he seems like he's an excellent guy. Yeah, I like that him and Vanda patched up. Seems like at the Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. they're both, both giving praise to each other about being good dads, and that's awesome. You know, I, love, is, see, I love seeing that. That is good to see. That is good to see. Um, 
So we'll uh, we'll see. You know, you mentioned Jake Paul, the YouTuber, and uh, you know it is it, it is kind of a kind of a sideshow to see some of these uh, people sort of the youtubers getting into it and things like that but i guess the one positive is it it does bring more young people i think uh, introduces them to the sport and so um you know i'm all for that i'm all for that yeah it still takes guts to get in the ring you know even if you don't know what you're doing <laughs> so yeah. i mean but that being said that jake paul i know he was working with shane mosley so um you know he's not completely inept you know but yeah it's yeah. You know, I wouldn't want to fight him. <laughs> I'm yeah, shape, well, so. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like you said, it takes guts for anyone to get in there and um, do their thing. So um, hats off to them for doing that, I guess. But uh, what else is on your mind? Anything else you want to touch on? Um, any other thoughts from the uh, interview with Jamal? Um. Not necessarily from the interview with Jamal. I mean, I think we touched on that pretty good. I think my uh, big, you know, um, anticipations or, or hopes for, you know, going forward is obviously like you were talking and alluding to about the armory. I want to get back to the armory and watch some fights. It was great. You know, I got to see Jamal fight there. I got to see Caleb fight there. Um, unfortunately, one of Caleb's fights, you know, it got cut short due to that headbutt um yeah. you know um even the myth was fun you know uh tony grugelko put on you know some good fights over there i saw joey abel over there and some of the fighters from up in duluth um you know they're kind of up and comers i'm looking forward to seeing them fight and hopefully down here in the city you know i haven't made it up to duluth for fights um that'll be something i hope to do um hinkley is always fun yeah. Um, but, you know, not only that, but then the amateurs, you know, I want to get back to actually having the Golden Gloves again. You know, it's like I want the region ones, the region twos. I want the upper Midwest. I mean, it's going to be a weird asterisk across the sport, you know, not having held the nationals, not having held the upper Midwest for us. Um, it's sort of like canceling the Olympics, you know, for a lot of these kids that might have been their only shot you know, um, at winning an upper Midwest, you know, um, or a regional. Um, so I hope they didn't give up if they were fighting and they didn't get their shot, you know, hopefully that, you know, it's not everyone can do it though. You know, not everyone's like uh, Lenroy Thompson. Now he's goes by cam off cam. Awesome. You know, he stayed an amateur forever chasing that Olympic dream. Um, not everyone does that. Some of these guys it's like, all right, I'm too old. It's time to either give up the sport or, or they turn pro. You know yeah yeah so well absolutely hope to uh talk more about that and some of some of the amateurs i'm really enjoying the book you gave me about the upper midwest golden gloves what a rich history there and yeah though for those who don't know what that is that's they came to fight and uh that's uh by less sell now um i've had the privilege to speak to him on the phone a couple times and thanks to denny nelson for giving me that book um and also, thanks to the Hales family from Hales Machine Tool, um, they basically put all that together. You know, they, well, less put it together, but they funded it, you know, uh, Chuck Hales. And they donate all the money to the Golden Gloves um, still to this day, you know, and I think you can only really get that book through them. I've talked to Charlie, uh, Chuck's 
grandson, um, rest in peace, Chuck. Um, and I messaged him and I kind of let him know that that's kind of resurfaced on my Facebook and, and that people are asking about how to get it. Um, so hopefully those who want to get it, if you contact Charlie Hales at Hales Machine Tool, uh, you'll be able to get a copy of that. It's pretty awesome. Oh, absolutely. It's a great read and, and a great cause to, to um, benefit the Golden Gloves. So um, I'm all in on that. So, well, um, looking forward to the fights this Saturday and um, I'm sure it'll be a good show. And, and um, I, I um, think that Jamal will be coming back home with the, with the belt, but we'll see. You never know in this sport. You never know what might happen, but um, I like his chances. So. I do too. Yep. Good luck, Jamal. We're cheering for you. Yeah. Good luck. hundred percent. Hmm. So, um, well, do you want to wrap it up for now? And uh, yeah, I think this is a good first, first podcast for us. Thanks to everyone for listening. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed it and uh, hopefully Minnesota boxing, you know, has more fights coming our way in the state, not just outside of the state. And, you know, once this pandemic gets sorted out with fans and not just with the uh, sound effects like the twins. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's, uh, that, it's certainly uh, unprecedented times we're living in. And, and uh, like you, I'm looking forward to the return of real boxing with real fans in attendance at uh, the Armory and the other uh, great uh, venues here in, in, in Minnesota, so. Um, well, good stuff, Sean. Good talking to you as always. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody.